Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. And we're online at kpcg.fm and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. So thanks for joining us in those uh, different locations. One of the big questions that people ask at some point in life is what happens to a person after they die? What happens to them? This question has puzzled mankind for centuries. We don't have to wonder, though. We don't have to guess or make assumptions or take somebody else's word for it. The Bible reveals what happens to a person after they die. Now, there's a lot of false ideas, and one of the main false ideas is that of the immortal soul. People oftentimes have it so ingrained in their minds that man has an immortal soul inside of him, and when the physical body dies, that soul goes to heaven, or it goes to hell, or there's some other ideas out there. But that idea is so deeply ingrained into people's minds, it's hard to really come to the Bible truth of what happens to somebody after they die. And so for today, on this program... Let's take a look at the immortal soul, the idea of the immortal soul. Where did that come from, and what does the Bible teach about it? Notice this quote. This is from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, and this is a free course. You can sign up for it at thetrumpet.com, and it costs you nothing. It's a wonderful course, and it gets you into your Bible and explains and opens up these different biblical truths so that you can study them, that you can understand them, and see what God says about very important topics such as the immortal soul. The Course says this, The ancient philosophers taught that man is essentially an immortal spiritual soul housed in a temporary body of flesh, that the real man is not the body but an invisible, immaterial, immortal soul that thinks, hears, sees, and will consciously live on forever. At death, according to the speculation of the ancients, the soul leaves the body and journeys to a nebulous realm, possibly a paradise or a place of punishment. The body, they observed, goes to the grave. (laughs) Yeah, that is what we would observe, isn't it? That's what we have observed. We're just looking at it and looking at what we can observe and discern with our physical senses. We understand that the body goes to the grave. People die. They die and their body goes to the grave and you don't see them anymore. That's what we can discern. But then there's these ideas about what happens to people. And again, ancient philosophers had an idea about an immortal soul. Oriental philosophers believe in the idea of reincarnation. Maybe you've heard of that. Basically, that this immortal soul, as they would view it, enters something different after a person dies. So there's a lot of different ideas out there, and probably quite a few more than that. Well, which one's true? They can't all be true. 
Which one's correct? What happens? What happens when people die? Do they have a soul that goes to heaven or goes to hell? Does the soul come back into some other object? Does it become a turtle? Does it go into a tree? What happens? People believe those things. What becomes of a person after they die? We really need to look at this issue, this this key issue here of does a person have an immortal soul? Because before you can really understand everything that happens after a person dies, we really have to look at whether or not man has an immortal soul. So where did the idea originate? It's not in the Bible, as I already mentioned, and we'll look at some passages here in a little bit, but where did the immortal soul idea come from if it's not in the Bible? The Jewish Encyclopedia notes this. This is from volume 6. It says, The belief that the soul continues its existence after the dissolution of the body, after death, is a matter of philosophical or theological speculation rather than of simple faith, and is accordingly nowhere expressly taught in the Holy Scripture. That's right. There's a lot of ideas in modern Christianity that people think, or they assume, that it's in the Bible. And yet, if you look into the Bible, you don't find it. You don't find these teachings. They're not in the Bible. The idea of the immortal soul is speculation. It's speculation. It's not taught in the Bible. And really where it comes from, and we'll look at a little bit of this history, it comes from a blending of ideas that come from Babylon and Egypt. The immortal soul doctrine has pagan origins. Pagan origins, they talked about this idea of an immortal soul, and that was long before Christ came to this earth. Long before Christ came to this earth, they were teaching these false ideas. Maybe you've heard of Socrates. He learned from the Egyptians about the immortal soul. He got that idea from them. And then he went and he taught it to Plato. Plato was his most famous pupil and took those ideas and also taught them. Plato wrote this. He wrote that death is merely the separation of soul and body. And he got that idea from his instructor, from Socrates. Socrates got that from the Egyptians. They said, well, death is merely the separation of soul and body. But that's not a biblical idea or truth. That's from ancient Egypt. And it was passed down through modern education. So how did this doctrine become known as Christian? It's one thing to have it be taught in a school setting or something like that, but how did it become thought of as Christian? Well, the correspondence course notes this. Origin, O-R-I-G-E-N, an early Catholic teacher in Alexandria, Egypt, joined speculations of Plato with certain parts of the Bible and called his philosophy Neoplatonism. And here is what Origen wrote around A.D. 200. Quote, Souls are immortal, as God himself is eternal and immortal. He openly professed to be a true believer in Plato, who believed in the immortality of the soul. And so again, we see this thread. Ancient Babylon combined with some teachings from ancient Egypt 
Those were studied by Socrates. Socrates taught them to Plato. Plato wrote about them. And then an early Catholic teacher there in Alexandria, Egypt, he accepted that. And he thought that was those speculations. Remember, there's speculations. He thought that was something that should be taught. And so they taught it. And so it came down through Catholics. And then also the Protestants taught it as well, even though early on in the Reformation, they did not accept this teaching. But then slowly over time, they accepted it because a lot of people liked it. The Bible isn't being used as the source of this idea, of this immortal soul idea. It's speculation and pagan teachings and then whatever was popular among the adherents. The Bible is not being used. So it's very common for modern Christianity to blend the name of Christ with pagan ideology. Blending the name of Christ with pagan ideology. Christ warned that this would happen. He warned about it in Matthew 24. Notice this. Matthew 24, this is verses 4 through 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, now again, he's talking to his disciples there in this Olivet Prophecy. They were on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came unto him and said, what are going to be the signs of your coming, your second coming, and of the, the end of the world? They wanted to know what would happen. And so he began to tell them about things that they would see in the lead-up to Christ's return. And so here he is in verse 4, and Christ says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So there's a big emphasis here on the fact that people will come along, men will come along, trying to deceive trying to deceive, teach an idea that is false, and trying to get people to follow them. Verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, what he means there is that people are going to come professing the name of Christ. They're going to say Christ is Christ. You know, in other words, yes, we believe in Christ. We believe he's the Savior. We believe he's the Son of God. They're going to say those things, and that sounds really good, and it's true. But then what they do is they add in their false ideologies, their pagan traditions. And so when it comes to the immortal soul doctrine, modern Christianity uses the name of Christ, but it follows the teaching of Plato. You see how that's so deceptive? They use the name of Christ, but... They follow the teachings of Plato. Christ said also, you know, why, why do you call me Lord? You don't do the things that I say. So he warned about this. People will come and they'll profess Christ and they'll talk about Christ and say they love Christ. And yet they don't do what he says. They follow other teachings. In this case, when we're talking about the immortal soul doctrine, they're following the teachings of Plato. So what does Christ actually teach when it comes to mankind? What does he teach? What does the Bible say? Notice this passage in John 3. John 3 and verse 6. A very clear instruction here from Christ. A very clear truth. And we'll let it speak for itself. John 3 and verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit 
is spirit. There is a spirit realm. There is a realm that is not physical. Angels are made out of spirit. God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, they're made out of spirit. Of course, they're on different levels of power and authority there, the angelic realm and the God realm, but still it's a spirit realm. It's a very clear teaching. If you're born of flesh, which you are as a human being, you're flesh. If you're born of spirit, you're spirit. There's no combination here of some sort of a soul inside of a physical being. The correspondence course notes this. It says, man is composed of flesh. Jesus plainly says that if one is born of and therefore composed of flesh, he cannot also at the same time be born of or composed of spirit. He must be one or the other. We can't be both at one time. Notice further, Genesis 2 and verse 7. Going back into the Old Testament now, Genesis 2 and verse 7. And Christ is the God of the Old Testament. Genesis 2 and verse 7. It says, And the eternal God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, this is where people can get turned around because, again, they're so used to this false idea of a soul being some sort of a spirit person inside of a physical person. It's just been taught over and over and over again, the traditions of man, and people grow up hearing it. And they take it for granted that that's what it means. That's what the truth is, but that's not what it says. God formed man of the dust of the ground, made him out of dirt, right? The material creation. And he breathed into his breath, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The Course says that God blew air, you know, air, oxygen, we breathe it all the time. He breathed, it says, the breath of life, containing oxygen into man's lungs through his nostrils, and the man began to live. I mean, sometimes humans even do this to each other, you know, CPR, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. <laughs> You'll see that where somebody, um, you know, maybe they've they almost drowned or something, and they pull them out of the water, and what do they do? Well, they, they breathe the breath of life into them. They try to give them oxygen into their lungs to get them going again. Well, God got man going. He created him, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man began to live, the Course says. He began to live. The verse does not say that God breathed an immortal soul into the man. Well, people can assume that, but that's not what the verse says. If you see somebody giving CPR to somebody else, do you say, oh, they're breathing a soul into that person? A living soul? Of course not. Of course not. You say, well, they're doing CPR. We all understand that on the physical level, they're just giving them some oxygen. That's the same thing. It's the same thing that, that God was doing in a way, giving that physical breath. Now, the same breath of life passes through the nostrils of animals. You can read that in Genesis 7, verses 21 and 22. You know, you, we know that animals breathe. They breathe oxygen just like human beings do. Becoming a living soul simply means that man became a living physical being, a creation of God. 
A dog or a cat is also a living soul. They also are alive with the breath of life. But notice, God's very clear about the life, the physical life that mankind has now. This is Genesis 3 in verse 19. This is after Adam and Eve sinned. And they took of the forbidden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they were told not to take of. They, they did not want God to direct them anymore. They wanted to choose their own way as influenced by Satan. And so God had to cut them off from his revelation and from his spirit. And he told them that, look, you're going to have a punishment for this. Notice what he said. Genesis 3 and verse 19. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. They were going to have to work hard and uh, work even as the ground was not bringing forth as abundantly as it had been. So they were going to have to work hard. It says, until you return onto the ground, you, human, (laughs) are going to return into the ground, he was saying, God was saying. For out of it were you taken, right? We just read that. God created man out of the dust of the ground, formed them. And then he reminds them, for dust you are, and unto dust shall you return. We know that. We've observed that, right? People are born, they live, and then they die. They die, and of course their bodies are, in most cases, disposed of, you know, in a a discreet manner, in a proper manner. But, you know, if you were to just leave a body out, what would happen to it? Well, it just decays. You know, it, it disappears. There's nothing left after a while. It goes back to the dust. Because that's what mankind is. We're dust. We're dust. There is no immortal soul inside of man. It's simply the breath of life. Giving man life. That's what, that's what God breathed into him. Man has an incredible potential. And man does have a potential that's much higher than they realize beyond this life. But the immortal soul is a false idea. It's a false doctrine. Notice what Mr. Armstrong wrote in Mystery of the Ages. He says, what is the real truth concerning human worth? What's, what's the value of man? He says, what is the real value of a human life? It is grossly overestimated in its own reality and astoundingly undervalued in its supreme potential. So in other words, people put too much value on the here and now. They put too much value in this life today in the sense of thinking, you know, well, this, this maybe this is it, so they need to, you know, put all their effort into chasing materialism or something like that. That, that comes and goes, right? There's not a lot of value in that. But man's potential, man's potential is undervalued. And the immortal soul lie is big part of undervaluing the potential that God's offering mankind. Mr. Armstrong writes, the truth is indeed staggering, the truth of what God is offering mankind. Further, he writes, even though when we die, we are dead. You know, a person that dies, they don't know anything. They are dead. He says, we will not remain dead forever. No, there's, there's more after this life. He says, the dead in their graves will live again. 
read what Jesus says. And he quotes John 5, verses 28 through 29. And it says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Right? Why would Christ have to resurrect them? Why would he have to resurrect them out of their graves if they had an immortal soul that immediately was going to heaven or hell? What would be the point of a resurrection? It doesn't even make sense. There is a resurrection. Matter of fact, there are three resurrections, and that's a topic for another day, but you can, again, learn all about that in this Bible correspondence course. There is a resurrection, three resurrections. Mr. Armstrong continues and says, there is an accounting for our behavior in this life, so what we do today does matter. Every human being who has ever lived will ultimately give an accounting and be in a resurrection. When a person dies, is it hopeless? No. There's tremendous hope because there's resurrection that is coming for everybody. Again, there are three resurrections. And the first one, that's for God's saints at the return of Christ. The second one is for those that have lived and died and never knew the truth of God. Maybe they believed in the immortal soul and they never understood the real truth and they died. They'll be resurrected at the end of the millennium in that, in that uh, great white throne judgment, which is typified by the last great day, which is a holy day in God's plan. They'll be resurrected, taught the truth, have a chance to develop the character of God, and ultimately be born of spirit. Remember what Christ said there we read earlier? If you're born of flesh, you're flesh. Oh, but if you're born of spirit, if you're resurrected as spirit, as a God being, ultimately, then you're spirit. That's the great hope. Man doesn't have some immortal soul that just sort of goes to heaven or hell and then you know, live some nebulous existence. God is creating a family. He's building a family. And it's essential that we understand that. But in order to really understand what God is doing with mankind, and again, it's laid out in the Bible Correspondence Course, it's in Mystery of the Ages, it's in the Incredible Human Potential, all that's free at thetrumpet.com. To really understand that, we have to root out of our minds this false concept of an immortal soul. Man simply does not have an immortal soul, but man has an incredible human potential. And again, you can learn a lot more about that, and there's a lot of detail to get into in the uh, Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course, Mystery of the Ages, Incredible Human Potential. There's others, other books as well. You can find all of them. They're free at thetrumpet.com. It's, it's an incredible future to look into if we can really study into it and root these pagan ideas that come from Egypt and Babylon out of our minds and understand the truth of God. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live By Every Word. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live By Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.